welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another music review. This album is a very, very important one for me. This is the kind of music that really got me into wanting to be a, you know, a new age or world composer. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in here. Of course, uh, we will get to all the songs, but Ancient Dreams is on here. And that is the one that really uh, opened that door for me. And I've talked about that song before, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll play it again. I don't mind that one bit. If you're at all familiar with my song Dreamscape, that was the song that inspired it. No, let me make sure I phrase that right. Ancient Dreams was the song that inspired Dreamscape, not the other way around. Uh, Ancient Dreams was written well ahead of me writing Dreamscape. I didn't even own a synthesizer back then. So when was this album done? It was done in 1992. This is a compilation album of Patrick O'Hearn's music. You may know Patrick O'Hearn from other music I've talked about when I did the private music sampler. Uh, you may also know him as the one of the members of the band's Missing Persons back in the 80s. Uh, done a ton of stuff. And uh, man, he's, he's still going. He just had a song that came out, was it earlier this year or last year? That was really nice. Um, I don't know what he's doing now, but I, I hoping I'm always hoping he's going to put out more music because I just I just love his stuff. Even though I still have part of his catalog to explore, and I will over the course of time. And we're going to start off this one. There are, by the way, I should point out there are three songs that are on this compilation that were not released prior to this compilation, which is pretty cool. So this would have been a nice selling point for people that had his catalog. Um, a lot of times, you know, unless you're a completist or like a record collector or whatever, um, if you just enjoy the artist and you're probably only either going to buy their albums or buy a best of this idea of adding a handful of songs that are brand new makes this album attractive to people who are just ones that would just buy the albums and wouldn't necessarily buy a best of. Now they're kind of like, well, shit, there's three more songs on there. I need to get that. I hit my glass straw. And uh, and sure enough, you know, they're probably going to pick this up if they're fans of Patrick's. If they're buying their album, his album, I mean, obviously they're fans. So this is a great way to plus sell that. And, you know, we talked about this on Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited when uh, yet another Aerosmith compilation was going to come out. I think they've had more compilations than they've had actual albums at this point, which is just ridiculous because they have the same songs on. I mean, here's the hits. Here's the hits again. Wait, wait, here's the hits again. And maybe there's one or two that are different, but they're not, you know, they're not really adding things to them that are like this, where there are tracks that haven't been heard before that you can't get anywhere else. Um, they're just regurgitating the same stuff. And a lot of those people, especially nowadays, uh, people don't buy albums as much as they do just buying the songs that they like. But to me, the thing is this, if you, unless you really don't like an artist, but you happen to like one song that you heard them do, uh, that's one thing. Like, I'm not a huge fan of, say, uh, Britney Spears, but there might be a song or two that I like that I might just want to get as a single because they might be, even if they're on the same album, in general, if I don't, if I'm not a fan of her music, I probably don't want to pop for the album. But if you're somebody who's a fan, you're probably not going to be buying the singles anyway. So if you're just a casual Aerosmith fan who's going to get a best of, but you've already bought half of those as individual singles because they were popular or they remind you of something or whatever, I don't know. It's just, it's, and then to do it album after album after album is just ridiculous. The only nice thing I think about this one was that there was a nice, uh, vinyl version. I think it had that spatter to it, which, uh, which is pretty cool, but am I going to pop, you know, $35 or whatever it's going to be for that just to get that, um, when there's no content, not unless I'm a collector or a completist. And honestly, I, I own two Aerosmith albums. I only have one of them in vinyl so far. Haven't been able to find the other one for a good price yet, but you know what? I, yeah, I, I, for, for 99% of the bands out there, I would not buy a best of if I'm somebody who buys their albums. Um, I just wouldn't. So that being the case, so this is really cool because this does give album buyers a reason to purchase this and, uh, they're pretty cool songs. So we'll, I'll, I'll get to those, uh, as they come up on the album. The first one is called beauty in darkness, not the first, you know what I mean? The first regular album track. Thing. Beauty in 
I love that percussion. Uh, it, it's, you know, he's so good at percussion. It's definitely one of his strong points. That and just tones, like laying a nice bed for whatever's going to be on top of it. Here we've got a flute solo. There's some other stuff that comes up later in the song. You know, a lot of times uh, if the intros are really long, uh, especially if, it's, if there's a vocalist, like let's take my review of Arthur Brown's album Dance. So for those, uh, some of them I fast forwarded to where the vocals start because it was really about featuring his music, but featuring him as a vocalist. With Patrick, a lot of his intros might be a little bit long, which I love for these kind of songs, but I'm not going to um, advance the song forward at all. I think that there are a lot of treasures in every song. I just want to kind of help you with the rapper a little bit and help you get to that sweet candy inside. If you want to listen to the full songs, obviously uh, the album is available. You can get it on Amazon. I think there was no, um, I think it was not available. Let me, let me double check. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak. No, it's not available on iTunes. It is available on Amazon. You can also get copies of the cassette or CD um, in various places. But yeah, this this one was never released on vinyl. Um, that's a bummer, but that's okay. Uh, really cool, though. I, I love the opening to the song. It's um, It just sets such a tone. And they really picked a great one, too, for the opener of a compilation because it has a little bit longer of an intro. It's just got a nice mood to it. It just gives you the opportunity to settle in and get an idea or be prepared for what you're about to hear because this album is quite a journey, but um, it you know it's not like a rock album that's just going to come in at a thousand miles an hour or really hard and heavy or whatever. This music is designed to just be enjoyable and carry you away, so it's a it's a perfect opener for that. Uh, and one of my favorites, another one of my favorites, uh, is called Black Delilah. I'll tell you my story about that after we listen to the clip. Here it is. So I think I was about, I must've been 21 or 22 and I had the flu or some, you know, horrible coughing, you know, uh, flu like thing. And, uh, I remember I was going to try and get rid of it by, uh, overheating myself and, and forcing the fever to break. Cause I think I was at like 102 or 103 or whatever it was. It was miserable. I remember that. And um, I had a waterbed at the time. So it was nice because you could just, you could put more blankets on the waterbed. You could crank the heater and, uh, you know, really just boil yourself as much as you like. So I, uh, I did that and I was trying to sleep and I had this dream of being in like a candlelit barn. And I, I can't remember in the moment all the little things that happened, but I still remember just like panning around the barn. And it just seemed to be like there was candlelight everywhere, even though I didn't see a lot of candles. It was kind of, you know, ethereal. But then again, I had a fever. What do you want? Um, but this song, whenever I, I hear this song, I just kind of immediately go back to that visual of the barn. And I don't know why it was even a barn. I, I have no basis for that whatsoever, but that's what my my fever brain was giving me. But this is a beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful. It's got uh, that wonderful violin in it. Um, I, what would be considered, I guess, the chorus is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's very simple. It's just a little pluck and, uh, and, and, you know, some more feels on top of that. And it's just absolutely amazing. I love it. It makes the song for me, but the violin is, is fantastic. The lead into the solo, especially, or the lead into the, um, the final chorus is uh, probably my favorite part of the whole song, but it's, it's just a beautiful journey, this one. And that violin is everything. 
in it. It really is. It's it's just amazing. But it has to be on a good bed of music too. It has to to be on something uh, to uh, to work together with, you know. And they work in conjunction just absolutely beautifully. Um, highly recommend this song if you're looking for something that um, it's a little more technical because the solo, you know, the violin plays a lot of notes, but it's not um, it's not distracting. I mean, it's it's an easy song that you can just drift away with as you know, I, I would imagine when you don't have a fever, you could do it, too. But um, yeah, great, great, great song. The next one that's up is called Sacred Heart. This one brings me back to living in Colorado Springs. And I was working for a mortgage company off of, um, I think it was, South, what was it? Uh, would have been North Academy Boulevard. And uh, I was pretty young. Like I said, I was, I was probably around 21 or 22 when I worked there. And it was, um, it was a, it was an intense job. I mean, I had a lot of responsibility, didn't have a lot of experience in that kind of corporate world. And it was very frustrating. Um, but it paid well, which was good for the time. And uh, God, now that money wouldn't even be entry level now that I think about it. And I was there for, I think, a year and a half, maybe longer. Uh, it seems like I had a couple winters there. But uh, yeah, I used to listen to this music in, in whatever office I was working in, because I started as a temp. And then uh, just kind of got moved around doing projects here and there. Uh, the project that I was brought in to do was completed. They really liked me. They wanted to keep me. So while they were trying to figure out what they wanted me to do, they just kind of kept me on as a utility person. So I would come in and whoever was off that day or, or called in sick, I would sit in their office and do whatever work was assigned to me. And uh, it kept me pretty busy. And eventually the insurance disbursement clerk uh, quit. And so I interviewed and I got her job. And uh, thus started my journey in the world of mortgage. But this was, um, yeah, this this was a really like crazy winter. I remember that we were doing, I was doing a lot of gigs with the bands and radio. And uh, in fact, my friend Maida, who was related to that band, was the one that got me the uh, interview for the temp position uh, or just got me the temp position, I think. And then she eventually moved on. My buddy Tony, uh, Tony Z got a job there for a little bit. Um, and he, he and I would do some of the gigs together, but they were, um, it was, it was a good time. You know, there was a lot of fun to be had, but this was a, an intense job. And to kind of help relax me, I used to bring a cassette player and I would just, I would play this music. In fact, this song just always reminds me of that. And, um, yeah, it brings me back to a really inter interesting time in my life. I was a lot more social back then, you know, with actual people, not just people I'm talking to who aren't responding, but actual like in-person people. And uh, a lot of time spent at Denny's after gigs, as I, as I recall. But yeah, this is a, a, just a beautiful song. I could argue that this would have been a great opener also for uh, for the uh, compilation. It really sets a similar tone to the first one. Um, I love the percussion on this. I definitely think that he does, at least on a song like this, he does what I do with my mental sauna stuff, which is rolling off the attack on any of the percussion so that it doesn't hit as hard. It doesn't take you away from the song. But you still get the, uh, you know, the, the portion of the attack and the decay of the percussion and the reverb that goes with it, which I really like. But I suspect that he rolls off some of the attack because I'm not really hearing the strike in his music as much as I do with others. So um, that's probably why I started doing it with uh, mental sauna music. But that Sacred Heart, beautiful song. Absolutely love it. Great mood, great atmosphere. Um, I, I can actually just picture... 
you know, it getting dark early and thinking about, you know, getting to be time to go home from work soon and having to shovel my car out of the parking space and all those good things and hopefully not slide home from work. But uh, a great, it was a great job. And uh, I was very grateful for it and um, all that it led to. So that has nothing to do with Sacred Heart. It's just a good song. Listen to it. Our next song is a pretty unique song. It really tells, uh, I don't, I don't want to say it tells a story because that's really up to the listener, what you get out of it. But I will say it creates a very unique and specific environment for you to draw from to, I guess, tell your own story with the song. And it is called The Ringmaster's Dream. If there was ever a song that showed beauty and simplicity, this would have to be on that list. I mean, it's very simple, but it's got a a depth of emotion to it. And when it hits the chorus part, you almost feel almost feel like the crack of a whip or or, or like the lion tamer. Um, it's really weird. And then there's just this ethereal uh, part that comes across your ears, panning from one side to another. It's it's an amazing blend. Um, but it, it has like that old time circus feel to it, you know, not the did it, did it, kind of thing, but it has just, I don't know, maybe because of the title, it sort of leads you a little bit on, on a, a visual starting point, I suppose. But definitely when it gets to the other, uh, part with that sound that, that crosses your ears, it really feels a little more carnivalish. But it's a beautiful song. I love the emotion and the mood in this one. Definitely one of my favorites that he's ever written. I was really glad that they included it on the Best Of because it definitely has a place there. I mean, you're using Best Of albums to try and attract new fans. I don't want to invest in the catalog. I don't want to buy an album because what if I don't like it? But a Best Of, you get a wide range of the artist's skill, right? So you can see, okay, I do like this person around, you know, they're not really for me. Well, then you've only invested in a best of instead of albums. So it's uh, it's a nice way to introduce yourself to an artist. uh, Or like I said, if you're a completist, you could get the, uh, you can get it on CD or cassette. So that is the Ringmaster's Dream, one of my absolute favorites, but my all-time favorite Patrick O'Hearn song is right here. It is called Ancient Dreams. And there it is, folks, the song that started me on my journey through not just uh, as a writer, but as a listener, as someone who really enjoys this style of music. Uh, I will be forever grateful to a lady by the name of Cheryl, who was the one that gave me the original private music sampler as a 
corporate Christmas gift. We did a, uh, a gift exchange. She drew my name and she gave me this. Uh, she knew I was a drummer. I was not a songwriter at the time. I had no aspirations to write music at all. And um, this was the beginning of that change. It uh, A lot of it, I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of it came out of my frustration of trying to work with other people who just weren't taking things seriously and not finding people who were committed, who could be counted on, uh, who should be committed but weren't. But it was it was a combination of things. But this definitely opened a door for me to have a path. And when I wrote Dreamscape, I can very much attribute it to uh, being inspired by this song and then, you know, all the stuff that I would I would learn before I started actually working on that music. But very, very wonderful stuff. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, I don't I we lost touch 30 some years ago, but uh, I, I hope you're doing well. And I thank you very much for the cassette. Um, it really was, you know, what what might have seemed like a simple gift from a corporate Christmas party. Uh, but I think I actually had to work. I think I was working in between doing that. If I no, maybe I didn't. I don't remember now. It seems like I dressed up and came in on a Saturday or something. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, a very simple gift can sometimes be a very effective and important thing in someone's life. So never underestimate the power of even a small gesture. It can make a difference. It really can. Um, so that was a little bit of ancient dreams. We're going to move on now to song number six. This is called "Forever the Optimist." at the percussion layers on this song and then the pads just coming in and setting that mood this is I mean, this is his wheelhouse really to me um he's done you know a lot of stuff and some of it i haven't heard yet but of the stuff that i know this is really kind of his wheelhouse and i have to wonder i was thinking about this while i was listening to the clip and i wonder how much of a percussion influence that he got from being in missing persons because terry bazio uh being the the drummer is a very, very percussive guy. I remember watching some of his videos that we used to play at the music store. And, you know, we had TVs overhead and we would play, um, you know, different videos of artists that we carried to, you know, hopefully inspire people to, to purchase them. And we had a Terry Bazio video and he's just playing the most ridiculous drum parts and they're, they're layered, but he's playing them live. I mean, the guy was just insane, right? But I'm, I'm thinking at the time, like, but what do you do with all this? What can you where can you apply this? I mean, it's cool that you can play it and it's really impressive to watch, but where, you know, where can you make this a valid piece of music or, you know, what can you apply it to other than a drum solo, you know? And, um, and I have to wonder if maybe Patrick wasn't listening to some of those things that he played. He played a lot of weird off time stuff, you know, like the, the song might be very straightforward, but he would put hits in a really weird place like mental hopscotch, I think is a great example where, you know, the hits that he, he does, and they're kind of weird sounds and very creative, very innovative, but they're not, you know, where you would expect them to be. And I hear a little bit of that in this too. Those lower percussion sounds, um, are not where I think most people would put them, but they're very cool where they are. I love the layering of it. There's so much going on different levels of reverb, different panning. Um, it's really, really cool. And then, like I said, the pads come in and start setting the foundation of the song. The bass is really good on the song. I absolutely love it. It's a beautiful synth bass. And uh, Patrick's quite a very talented bass player, I should say. But uh, on this one, he's using a synth. And I don't know 
if they would have had a synth pedal back then. Uh, that I'm really not sure. This came out in 92, but it was a compilation. So the songs would have been written well in advance of that. But uh, yeah, really cool song. I, I've always dug this one. Um, up next, though, we are going to get to uh, the first of our bonus tracks or, or first time here tracks. This is called Downhill Racer. You knew it was going to be something a little bit up tempo, I think, right? Downhill Racer would kind of give you that uh, give you that idea. But this is a really cool song. Uh, I love the energy to it. I love all those little tingy, you know, watch or clock part sounds that we're hearing in the beginning, and just like little hammers hitting them, and then uh, that build with the pads, which is very very beautiful. It's almost like the beginning of Tarkus. Um, you know, before the drums come in, just the way that the pad builds, because normally pads don't increase like that. You have to manually do that. And it can be tricky to make that smooth sometimes because you have to move the fader or, you know, nowadays you can just automate everything. But um, so you can do it over and over and over until you get it right, which you could in the studio, but that's costing you a lot more money and time. Uh, things are much simpler now, but it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. And then it stays with it during the song, which I really like too. It didn't die out um, during that that opening part. Um, really cool though. And some really nice synths just give you a, a beautiful atmosphere on top of it. Almost like they're the wind while you're in your little soapbox racer heading down the hill. Um, that's always what I pictured, you know, nice spring day, some big puffy clouds in the air and you've got your helmet on, you're in your little soapbox racer, just heading on down the hill. Um, in my imagination though, the hill is always like ridiculously steep and doesn't really work for the visual. But, you know, when you're having a visual, it all makes sense. So it's okay. It's like when you're having a dream and you're in a barn and there's candles and you're like, why the hell would you put candles in a barn when you've got hay and wood? Not a brilliant idea, but, you know, my vision is my vision. And again, I blame the fever. But this is a really cool one. I, I love that this would be the first time that people heard it. Instead of it just being an album track, it's going to be featured a little bit more as, as being a first time here on a best of album. So it's going to get a little bit more attention, which I really like. Our next song falls into that same category. I don't know who she is, but her name is Irene. you know, with the percussion. It's wonderful how he can lay a bed that's exciting or just dramatic or just relaxing and still have it all come from percussion with just a little bit of pad on top of it or or around it. Um, it's just always a nice little bundle. It, it's so well done. And, um, you know, this is, 
beautifully mixed. I also have been meaning to say that the whole thing is just beautifully mixed, but I've never heard him do anything that wasn't mixed incredibly well. You know, um, I think it was in the liner notes of this, um, this cassette, if I remember right, where it said that he, um, he, he apologized to his wife for the cable mess that was all over the living room where he was remixing everything. Um, which is not surprising. I mean, thankfully I live alone. If I had a cat or, uh, you know, someone else that lived here, it would be uh, probably a very frustrating place to live. For me, cable hell is pretty normal. Uh, as organized as I try to keep it, you know, when you need to grab a cable, you need to grab it. And sometimes you got to hurry up and get something down before you forget it. And, um, you know, it, it can get a little messy from time to time. I will fully admit that. Um, but I try to be as, as clean and organized as I can. It's not too hard these days because I don't really move things around too much um, other than my cable lead for guitar or bass um, and headphones uh, and microphone. I really don't have a lot uh, external. Most of the stuff is in the box now where everything used to be uh, very analog and very um, spatial, spatially challenging. I'll say it that way. Um, but that was Irene. Great song. Our next one coming up is called April Fool. another up-tempo one that again magically is really busy but still feels like there's not a whole lot going on but when you dig into it there actually is uh lots of light percussion in there which add uh more layers than it probably sounds like or or gives you the impression of but uh again driven just by gentle pads and and light playing and longer passages but that tempo really feels good and and i like it um it's rare to find good new age songs that are, are mid or up tempo. Most of them are, you know, you just kind of picture them to be ones where you just kind of lay down and stop caring about the world. Not at all. There are some really good uh, mid and up tempo songs out there like this one where they're percussion driven, but they don't have those heavy percussion hits that kind of, you know, just take you right out of it. So great job on this one. I've, I've always really liked this. Um, our next one is called A Brief Repose. And just as I say that, here's one of those songs I was talking about. This is, I think, what a lot of people picture more for New Age. Maybe not so much a um, a sax solo throughout it, but I love just the little touches of sound here and there. Uh, those are really nice. They're almost, uh, I, I would say, film soundtracky, if that's a word. And if it's not, I'll still say it's film soundtracky. But it's very nice. You know, it's it's uh, walking down the street late at night. You know, maybe there's a little gust of wind blowing a newspaper down the street. A uh, guy in the corner playing a saxophone with his hat on the ground, hoping to get a couple of coins or something. Um, but it's always it's always had a nice feel to it. It's one I actually don't listen to a lot, 
just because, you know, coming off of April Fool and heading into our next song, it um, it, it, it feels a little bit um, oddly fitted for me. But I do like the song in, in and of itself. But it's more of that kind of, you know, really not much to it. It's just a bed with a little bit of sax on top, which is fine. You know, sometimes that's all you need. It doesn't have to be grandiose. doesn't have to be a, per- a bunch of percussion layers. Sometimes it can just be beautiful tones on a nice warm bed of sound. And um, that's that. So that moves us on to our third and final bonus or first time hearing track. This is called Step. If I'm not mistaken, that is a live fretless bass doing the solo over the top of a very gently patterned synth bass. Um, but I love that. I love just those little sounds that come in, just little little pecks here and there of sound um, on top of the bed. Very nice. Um, really an enjoyable song. This is, again, the kind of song that I could just you know lay there and look out the window or stare at the ceiling or hopefully have an ocean view. And just enjoy that as I'm listening. And it's a really cool song. Really cool. I love the mood of it. I'm a sucker for a good fretless bass sound too. So that's always going to perk my ears up a little bit. And he's um, he's not uh, not too shy to play a fretless. I'll say that. Maybe that's one of the things that attracts me to his music so much is that I love fretless bass and he provides it. And in spades, I'll say. But it's a really cool track. I would imagine people hearing that for the first time on this album would have been very glad that they purchased the album, as with the other two, Downhill Racer and Irene. Very great songs. Um, I'm glad that he included them. You know, it was uh, just from a marketing standpoint, that's one thing. But as an artist, you want people to hear the stuff that you've done. Maybe the original um, tracks that he did, he wasn't happy with, and he beefed them up a little bit for this release. I don't know. I've never... uh, seen any kind of other history on it. But in any case, uh, they're beautiful and I'm glad he included them. So we're going to round out now. We've got three songs to go and uh, we're on track 12. This is called Homeward Bound. will say there's a very nice variety of tempos on this album, which is great for a best of, because you really want to be able to show off the versatility. If you're wanting people to, you know, dig in a little bit and take a chance on you and see if maybe you can gain some fans, if all the songs sound the same, if all the tempos are the same, they're all slow and brooding, or they're all, you know, uh, really fast, like maybe a, a metal compilation, you know, you want to show some versatility because you never know where you might gain that fan. And if you're only showing one bit of what you can do, you're less likely to attract a bigger audience. So this is a really great selection of music from Patrick, I have to say. 
um, I don't know who selected them, whether it was Patrick, whether it was a record company says, we want these songs, you know, if you want to re-record them, that's fine. Or if you want to remix them, that's fine. But these are the songs we want. Give us three new ones. I don't know what the setup was to the album, but what I can tell you is that the final result, these 14 tracks are very, very well selected. This song is a lot of fun. Um, it's got such a great guitar part to it. Just, to, you know, one thing that's really big with Patrick too is delays. And you can hear a little bit of the delay in the guitar. There's a fretless bass in the background. So again, sucker for a fretless bass. I mean, don't come up to me and say, hey, do you want an ice cream kid? Or hey, do you want a shiny new bike? Tell me there's a fretless bass in that rickety, a fretless bass in that rickety van and I'm yours. Please don't do that. But in any case, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful blend. Um, but the guitar is not um, one that we've heard much on this album. So it's nice to have that kind of be the uh, the rhythmic lead on top of the percussion. We've got a nice flat bass drum. There's It's almost dead. There's not really much reverb on it. It's really just a, a pulse for the song to keep it moving along, um, keep that tempo going, which is really nice. And then the bass underneath of that, just phenomenal. Um, love the lead instruments when it hits the chorus. But the real gem of this song for me, honestly, is the culmination at the end because he layers things together, the elements that we've heard in the song as it fades out. And I honestly, I could listen to three or four minutes of just that and be perfectly happy. Um, it's it's funny, you know, when uh, when Corey came on and we talked about Thunder and we realized that I don't like a lot of simple music. And I wouldn't necessarily say that this was simple music because there's a lot going on in Patrick's songs. Um, you know, obviously, except for a brief repose, but there's a lot going on in his songs as simple as they seem or as calm as they seem. And um, I think that's part of what attracts me to it too. But you would think songs like that, I might not necessarily just like enjoy these kind of things because of the way I like it. But with this kind of music, I find it different than like rock music. With rock music, I want some technical stuff. I want a good feeling solo. I want something that's going to make me think or make me smile or tap my foot. And some of the stuff that um like we cover on Aerosmith, I just I just can't get into or some of the, you know, songs like we listen to on Thunder, it's just not enough for me. You know, it was kind of pushing the boundaries when John Matola uh, came on and we were talking about Poison. It was like they do enough interesting things to keep it interesting for me whereas Thunder was just like I just wasn't connecting with it. And um, I've tried, you know, since we did that episode, I've gone back and tried to listen to their music and I still feel the same way. It really just doesn't hit me. But this, the layers, the combination of sounds, the panning, the the delays and reverbs, there's just so much going on here that I find the songs very, very interesting. And uh, this is certainly one of them. So Homeward Bound, one of my favorites, that last section again, check that out, guys, as it fades out. Um, just that layering, that culmination. I really, really love that. Our second to last song, Magic Track number 13, is called Portobello Locks. Not the mushroom. Maybe it was the mushroom. This is another one that's very patient. And I'm just realizing as I'm hearing it again, the kick again is very flat. Um, probably something that might be used more in hip hop, maybe. I don't know, because I don't really listen to a lot of hip hop, but I know that they use um, those kind of kits. They're a little bit punchy and, and uh, just stop short real quick. They don't, there's not like a lot of reverb on them or whatever. And I feel like this might be similar to that. I'd have to really sit down and compare the two. But either way, it's not, you know, you would think for this kind of music, you would want like a nice decay on the the bass drum and make it just kind of blend in. But it doesn't. It it kind of, 
you know, opposes the rest of the music by standing out a little bit more. Um, but it's a very patient song. I do love patient new age music it, that stays interesting. It, and it feels like there's always something going on. As soon as one thing's fading out, something else is coming in, whether it's just a little little bit of guitar, a little bit of pad or something else, um, little bell sounds, you know, um, there's always something going on to focus. So it's just this constant, um, you know, waves of sound as, as one sound comes down, another one starts coming up and it blends really, really beautifully. Uh, this song has such a great feeling to it. This is one for me is a, a nice spring song after a, a particularly cold winter. And it's maybe April or May and you're you're grateful it's not summer yet, but you're really enjoying the fact that it's not winter anymore. You've got the window open, you're smelling the fresh air. Maybe somebody just cut the grass recently and you're just soaking it all in. It's, it's such a beautiful song. Uh, I don't know what the title means, but that's okay. I don't need to because titles are in general kind of irrelevant when it comes to this kind of music. It's all about what you picture it, with the one exception I would say would be like um, the ringmaster's dream, because that was very much a uh, directed title to the music. But apart from that, and, and maybe I see the music the way I do because of that title, but the rest of them like Portobello locks. Um, I think I hear Portobello, I think mushroom and I'm not a fan of mushrooms, but I'm a huge fan of this song. It is absolutely fantastic. In fact, I tried some superfood mushroom powdered mint creamer. And now that I'm saying that out loud, it sounds so stupid. It was awful. Anyway, there we have it. Sometimes you got to take a chance on stuff. Uh, but it, you know, mushrooms are supposed to be really, really good for you. But I uh, I don't like the taste. I don't mind things made with mushroom. If there's little slivers of mushroom in it, if it's in a salad, I don't mind it so much. But I've never been a fan of like just eating something out of a giant mushroom cap or having boiled mushroom caps or whatever. It's just possibly um, part of that comes from when I worked at Northport Restaurant. I told you guys the story about me slicing the strawberries for four hours and then some guy pouring salt on them by mistake at that same restaurant. One of, or was it? No, that was a different restaurant. It was the Mason Jar. I had to make um, escargot. And I had a pet snail. I had a couple pet snails, but one in particular uh, lived for quite a while until one of my other fish ate it. And shell got really big. I got it when it was a baby and um, nice, beautiful golden shell. But uh, maybe because I had one as a pet, I couldn't fathom the idea of eating them. But part of it was you took um, a mushroom cap you know, they had to be the right size and to, to match the snail. And then you put like a pad of garlic butter on there on top, or you put the snail in the mushroom cap and then a pad of garlic butter on top. And yeah, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't with that. So that's, you know, my relationship with mushrooms is a little bit, um, a little sketchy at best. Very traumatizing now that I'm thinking about it. Why did I order that creamer? <laughs> it just sounds so stupid to, to put in my mouth, but I did. And uh, apparently some people like it. But anyway, let's get to our last song. This one's called The Beauty Within. This is a great cool down from the emotional roller coaster that we've just been on, ladies and gentlemen. Really nice uh, way to end it. Very airy. The song pretty much just does this. Uh, there's a little bit more to it here and there, but for the most part, it's just a nice way to fade out the album and, um, you know, you, you go on with your day or night or whatever you're going to do. But uh, if I remember right, this was the first one that I bought from Patrick after hearing that sampler that Cheryl gave me for Christmas. And obviously I bought it because Ancient Dreams was on it and it was the first thing I saw. I don't think the actual album with Ancient Dreams was available, um, like readily available. Like I, I went to Best Buy or wherever I was buying records at the time, probably Media Play, and bought this and 
that's just where my journey started. But I absolutely love this album. It's a great collection of songs. I hope you guys enjoyed it because there's, you know, there's a lot to uh, to dig into here, especially if you like percussive layers. <laughs> there's no shortage of that for sure. But thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the Hasking Cast podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this review. Be back next week with more stuff. If not sooner, there's always the chance between the time I record these and the time they come out that there will be interviews or other episodes. A lot of times I don't put the the episode number in the episode anymore because I have to change them around a lot. So uh, sometimes I might say like, I'm recording this before Halloween and it doesn't come out until Thanksgiving just because of the way it got bumped. But uh, in any case, it came out when it came out and I hope you enjoyed it. So we'll see you guys in the next episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers. <laughs>